Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to Philippians chapter 3 today. Welcome. I'm glad all of you are here. Thank you for being here with us in service, by live stream. We're really glad to have you. And those who maybe are listening by podcast, welcome as well. We thank God for you and I'm glad that you have given some time here to hear the Word of God from One Cause Church, and I just happen to believe I pastor the best church in the whole area. I really do. You guys make this job fun. You really do. I love this church. Well, your pastor loves you, Brother Charlie. All right. Today I want to talk to you about this is who we are. Say that. This is who we are. This is who we are. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul begins in verse 1 by saying, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. This is an important thing. Paul's telling us something here so that we'll pay attention, that we'll catch hold of what he's saying. So I'm not just repeating myself just to repeat myself. I'm repeating myself because it's safe for you. Because... You know, if you live in this world five minutes, you understand that this world has a persuasion about it that's trying to pull you into it, pull you into its persuasion, squeeze you into its mold, into its way of thinking, believing, acting, talking, all of that. And so he's saying, I need to say these things again to you because this is what is safe for you. This will keep you in safety. Then the next thing he says, beware of dogs. Now, he's not talking about physical dogs, but if that happens to apply, I guess might as well. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. Now, specifically, Paul's talking about those who would try to get you to perform religious acts in order to somehow think that that is your part in maintaining your righteousness with God. And that if you'll be a good performer, if you'll be a good little boy and a good little girl, then God will keep you in His family, and He'll keep you in His good graces. So, uh, this, so you need to. They, he, he's talking about these who come in and try to make you do things that are contrary, actually, to what God wants you to do. Yeah. To trust God and you. Yeah. Right. And this takes away from the beauty of the gospel and the good news that's found in the gospel. All you see, it's it's Christ. Christ died for our sins. Christ was buried, Christ rose from the dead. There it is. What what does that have to do with me? Except that I received that reality by faith. And that's how I receive salvation. That's how you receive salvation. So this goes against the whole religious system because the whole religious system, put any label on it, there's all kinds of religions out there, but they all have the same MO, if you will, the same mode of operation. That is that you must do enough good things, and if the good outweighs the bad, then you'll have a better afterlife. But Christianity is completely opposite of all that. It says you can never perform good enough. There is none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God, through Jesus Christ, brought grace to us because men could not attain to the level of holiness that a holy God required. God became like us and helped us in our sin and helped us in our brokenness And Jesus Christ, not only did He, God, pronounce the judgment of sin that the wages of sin is death, but He also Himself carried out the sentence. 
and paid the price himself for all of our misgivings, for all of our sins, for all of our malfeasances. He took it all upon himself so that you and I could simply by faith. Jesus did all the performing that was necessary. Thank God. So today we don't perform for God. We walk by faith in him. We live every day by faith in Jesus. And so Paul says, you need to be aware of that stuff because verse 3 says, we are, for we are the circumcision or those who are separated from this world, those who are consecrated to God. And this is what that looks like. Who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Isn't that marvelous? Religion's all about having confidence in the flesh. You do enough good stuff, see? But this says we put no confidence in the flesh. We know our righteousness is not attained by good behavior, by morality. Are all those things important? Yeah, but there's something more important than all of that. See, Jesus didn't just come to bring behavior modification to us. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. It was greater than that. Our sin was greater than that. We weren't just bad, we were dead. All right? Who worship God in spirit? That is, we don't go through religious gyrations. We worship God in spirit. In other words, we live in a constant state of worship. We worship in Him and how we work. Whatever your hand finds to do. Or the Scripture says, whatever you do, do it with your whole heart as to the Lord and not unto yeah. men. Knowing that from the Lord you're going to receive your reward for you serve Him ultimately. Serve the Lord Christ. So our worship is a daily thing. Who rejoice in Christ Jesus. In other words, that word rejoice literally means to boast. We brag on Jesus. We talk about Jesus. Interesting when you talk about Jesus, how the whole atmosphere in the room changes. Especially if you're in a place where people don't talk about Him very much. Unless they're cussing. You say Jesus, and all kinds of things can be talked about, but when Jesus is spoken out, when He comes into the room, it's like there's this discomfort, there's maybe anger. Why? Because all of us have to deal with this man. We all have to. All of us have to settle the issue with Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus asked His disciples, who do men say that I am? And they say, oh, some say you're Elijah, and some say John the Baptist. He said, but who do you say that I am? And that's his question to you. Who do you say that I am? Do you believe that I am who I say I am? That I am the Son of God? That I am Lord? I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me? When Jesus said that, what he said was, all other religions are bunk, I'm it. (laughs) There's only one thing. There's only one way, and that's him. So you have to face this man, Jesus Christ, and deal with his audacious sayings. And come to your question, do you believe him, or do you believe he was just a lunatic? Because he could not have said those things and still been sane, right, if it wasn't true. If they weren't true, then he was, he was a maniac. But they are true. Every last one of them. Because he rose from the dead. The guy who rises from the dead, he trumps everybody else that's still in their grave. He's the one you need to be listening to. He beat death. So we rejoice in Jesus Christ. And we put no confidence in the flesh. In other words, you know what that, that's just another way to say we walk by faith. Yeah. We're not depending on the senses. Faith does not 
is not even equated, the sensual realm is not even equated in faith. Not even a factor in it. Taste, touch, smell, hear and see. Not, none of that's there. None of that. It's faith in God. And so this is how we, this is who we are. Well, you know, it's important to know who you are so that that will be an easy reality in your life. Really, these are just fruits of who we are. None of these things have anything to do with striving, right? This is just a constant state of rest in Him. I want you to take your Bible and go to um, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And we'll start reading in verse 20. And um, this is an important story uh, for us today. It's interesting that John took the time to tell this story. At first, when you're reading it, you think, well, why does he go through these little details in this story? And why did he even telling this story uh, compared to all the other things that Jesus did? Do you remember what John said? If we were able to record everything that Jesus did, then the whole world couldn't contain all the books that would be written about him. Even at the end of the chapter, of end of John, he's saying, oh, Jesus did so many more things that we haven't written about. But it's interesting, of all the things that John could have written about, all they saw, he decides to put this little story in there. Um, and, and now I know why, because this has to do with you and I. Look at this, verse 20 of John chapter 12. Now, there were certain Greeks among those who came up to worship at the feast. All right, These are people like us. These are not Jews. These are people on the outside. Uh, came up to worship. Now, verse 21, it says, They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked them. Philip is one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. All right? Knowing that Jesus' ministry was not to the Gentiles, it was to, he said, I'm not come but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, uh, I think I'm talking to all Gentiles in here. Am I right? All right? It's like 99.8% of the world's population. There's a good chance you're all Gentiles. He said, I'm not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So his earthly ministry, his teaching ministry, and his healing ministry was exclusively for the Jews. Um, there were a couple of Gentiles that did receive healing, a miracle from him, because they believed him, not because they had a right to it, but because they believed him. And when they believed him, that gave them the right to it because they had faith. And when Jesus saw them having faith, then he saw Abraham. And knowing that he was in covenant with Abraham, he had to honor that. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus even marveled at their faith. He's like, the people that I'm supposed to be ministering to don't believe me like this guy does or this woman does. But, I mean, that, those were just two little exceptions to the rule. And, and by faith, faith is what made the exception. So he was sent. And so John, knowing that, you would, I, I'm, that's why I think it's interesting. He would take the time to tell this story. Why does it matter to the Jew that some Gentiles wanted to see Jesus? I'm sure Gentiles wanted to see Jesus on a regular basis. They want to see him. And then it says, sir, we wish to see Jesus. So then Philip goes and gets Andrew, who's another disciple. And then they together, they go and tell Jesus. All right. Thanks, John, for taking us through all that to get to this part of the story. And still, why is it relevant? So obviously they ask Jesus. They say, Lord, there's some Gentiles that are here that want to see you. Right. So what does Jesus, how does Jesus respond? Does he say, I'm not sent with the lost sheep of Israel again? Or why are you even bothering me with this? You would think of Philip really understood Jesus' mission, he would have said, no, no, he didn't have time for you. You're not who he came for. But he does. Look what Jesus, look how he responds. This is very interesting. But Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verse 24. 
Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now, are you as confused as I am at this point? Simple yes or no would have sufficed quite nicely, Jesus. But you give us a poem or whatever that is that you said. Is that yes or is that no? Nice story. Unless a grain of wheat falls in the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain or much of the same thing, right? So what does the seed do? The seed produces. God set a law up in the very beginning when He was creating the world. He said the seed will produce after its kind, right? So what's He saying to him? He said, okay, Jesus, these Gentiles want to see you. And then Jesus says the hour is coming that the Son of Man must be glorified. Then He gives this illustration about Himself. So he likens himself to this seed going into the ground and dying and remaining alone. As Jesus once said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But when that seed died, something happened. Something changed. God sowed a seed called his son. And when that seed went into the ground and died and remained alone, all of a sudden something happened. It produced the same thing. If the seed produces after its kind, then the sun was sowed, then many sons were produced. This is who we are. Through His death, burial, and resurrection, we've all been made like Jesus. Sons of God. He, the Son of God, became the Son of Man so that we, sons of men, could become sons of God. Marvelous thing. So now you have to know just, you have to get this reality, this awareness about who you really are. This is who we are. As He is, John said, as He is, so are we in this world. Because when you understand that you are just as much a son of God as Jesus is, and you are just as righteous to God as His own son Jesus is, whoo, that'll help you Live your life in a different way. It'll help you see yourself in a different way, and you'll act out in a different way. You'll realize you don't have to perform for God because you're not an employee. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're in the family. And everything he has is yours. It's something my dad always said when I was growing up. I'd ask him for something. He'd say, son, everything I have is yours. Never really tested that out too far, but... I think, he would, I think he would stick to it. None of my kids, my kids, Dylan Holler, that kid can eat like crazy. I mean, you see his frame. He's six foot two now, passed me up, and it's just, he's just a food-consuming machine. But he, he never asked me if he can go look in the refrigerator. He has no respect for me. This goes in the pants, it starts grabbing food and eating it all up. Because he knows he can. Because he's in my family. He has the right to do that. He has a right to everything that I have. Amen. You have a right to everything that God has. Because you're his child. This is so good. And and one of the things that we've been duped in in religion is to identify ourselves as something other than the righteousness of God. 
Something other than holy and made right in His sight. Something other than completely and fully reconciled to God. We've been made to believe that we are sinners saved by grace. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner, but now I'm saved by grace. Those are not the same thing. You were a sinner, now you're saved by grace. Because that mentality of we're sinners saved by grace is, it keeps you thinking small and weak. It keeps you making excuses for your failures. If you fail, if you sin, you go, well, after all, we're all sinners saved by grace. Wink, wink. No, that's not the reality that we have. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things are gone and new things have come. He didn't just put you a grace bubble around you and you're still all funky and nasty on the inside. He cleaned you up on the inside. He made you the righteousness of God in Christ. Woo, he didn't just make you a righteous person. He made you righteousness. He became sin. Jesus didn't become a sinner. He became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. See, now your condition has been fixed. And now your actions then can represent your condition. Does this help you today? Hmm? Got to know who you are so that you can know what you do. Okay, let's go to another place. I'll show you something. Let's, uh, maybe Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 16. I'm just going to try to follow the same vein I did in the early service. Um, I had a whole, for all of you who uh, are critiquing my sermon today, all of, any of you I taught homiletics to, just forget that today, okay? Because I have all that here, but I got off course. But it's on course at the same time. Anyway, where do we go? 516. Let's go to 516. Look at this. I say then walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now did you see that? What's keeping you from doing the things that you wish? Because if you can answer this question right, Some of you are thinking that it's the Spirit, and some of you are thinking that it's the flesh. What's keeping you from doing what you wish? Hmm. What's keeping you from doing what you wish? Because here you have to admit either I am the flesh or I am the Spirit. If you identify as the Spirit then you say it's the flesh that's keeping me from doing what I wish. But if you identify yourself as just the flesh man, then you're saying it's the spirit that's stopping me from doing what I wish. Mm. So who are you? Who are you? I hope to God you see yourself as the spirit. Because you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. The body is not the, the wholeness of who you are. It's what you live in. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So now you understand what the real struggle is. Because because you have His nature, you have the right wishes. You have the right desire. Fully, totally right desires. But it's the flesh who's trying to hinder that. 
who's stopping that and for causing you to do what you really want to do. Now, there is a day coming, thank God Almighty, there is a day coming when this body will be glorified. We'll have a new body that will take on the very same nature as the Spirit itself. But until then, it's flesh against the Spirit and Spirit against the flesh. And you're either going to walk by the Spirit or you're going to walk by the flesh. And you're going to walk by the flesh a lot more if you keep identifying yourself as just this natural fleshly person rather than that born-again spirit. One who is like Him. This will help you live in victory. This will help you walk in it. This will help you overcome. Not just make excuses for failure, but overcome those failures in your life. Put those things behind you once and for all. But if you want to keep playing this guilt and shame and condemnation game, how's that working for you? It never got me free. When I finally figured out that coming to an altar and bawling my eyes out was not the apex of my Christianity, I got over some stuff. When I just started taking God at His word and walking by faith, because you know what I found out? Repentance doesn't mean cry. It means change your mind. I was every week. And the preacher did everything he could to manipulate to get everybody in the room up to the altar eventually. Call out every sin, call out, and finally when he hit mine, I'd go, oh, well, all right, I guess he's talking to me. Better get up there and weep and wail and cry and feel good for the moment, but not really change. Go right back into my life and do what I did. You know why? Because the altar was the apex. It was where everything was made right. So if I, saw, if I viewed that, crying and blah, 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 I'm not saying that you shouldn't cry. I'm just saying that's not what changes things. If you cry, cry. If you need to cry, do it. I'm saying that's not what changes things. Changing your mind is what changes things. That's what repentance means. It's the Greek word metanoia. It means change your mind. You can do that without crying. You can do that without feeling bad. Wow. But when, when this became everything, when I was in that system of this was everything, well, guess what? Then I found myself going out here, and it was easy to fail again. That way I could get back to the altar the next week. Then I would go back out in life, and I'd fail it. That way I could get back to the altar again and get right with God again. My whole life, my whole existence, maybe I'm not talking to anybody here. You probably don't relate to this at all. But all I'm saying in my existence was to just get right with God. That was just... Put in me, put a get. You need to get right with God. You need to get right with God. You need to get right with God. I'm already right with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. But religion beats you over. It always makes you think there's something continually wrong with you that you have to fix. And you need to feel bad about something all the time. You're never going to measure up. But when you see yourself that you're already made as righteous as you possibly can be through the Lord Jesus Christ, whoo, you'll cast off all that bondage. And live how you want to live. I hope to God you're so free that you actually do what you wish. The world is looking for Christians, for believers to do what they wish because your wish is the right thing. It's that flesh that's fighting you. Hmm? Come on, talk to me today. Your tongue don't want to be nice. Your tongue don't want to say the nice stuff. You just test it just, just for a moment. Hmm? Just, just, have, just have somebody cut you off. In traffic. Your tongue is not first, bless them, Jesus. I love that person so much. You've got a few other words that want to immediately come out. I mean, you've got that gun cocked and ready to fire, right? 
Anybody can do that. That's easy to do that. Because that's the, that's the flesh. That's the easy thing. <laughs> but we who are living in the Spirit, choose to live by the Spirit, we understand that if we're quick to listen, slow to speak, therefore slow to wrath, we'll have a better outcome. Amen. So who are you? And when you know who you are, this is who we are. We're like Him. All right, let's go to another place, Romans chapter 7 for a moment. Of all the chapters in the Bible, uh, there's a lot of them I really love, but Romans chapter 7 really helped me understand who I am and set me free. And I was so glad that, you know, the Apostle Paul He's, he's, he's one that I look forward to meeting someday, of course, obviously, besides Jesus. I mean, come on, you can't even compare that, right? That's like trying to compare all of the basketball players to Michael Jordan. You just have to leave Jordan where he is and then talk amongst the other guys, right? You, you leave Jesus where he is, right? Obviously, he's the one I want to see. But the Apostle Paul is, is probably the next guy because he was the Apostle brought to the Gentiles. We wouldn't even know anything about Jesus if the Apostle Paul had not written what he wrote because Jesus told Paul what to tell us. And if you don't understand what he's saying, you won't understand any of the rest of the Bible. So this is where we live. And, and, but I'm grateful to know what an extraordinary man he was. And my dad says the Apostle Paul is probably the greatest Christian who ever lived. After all the things that he went through and how he continued to preach this gospel and keep it very clear, and not mix things up. People are always trying to mix Jews and Gentiles and make it all one religion. In the Spirit, we're all, we're all the same in Christ. But they were trying to do their practices, make the Gentiles act like them. And that would, they had to keep all, make all that stuff clear say, no, no, that's not how this works. Jews are Jews, Gentiles are Gentiles. Here on the earth, you practice your walk out with Christ differently. All right? And I, I don't have time to go into all that, but we'll do that some other time. Romans chapter 7, verse 18. Look at this. For I know that in me that is in my flesh nothing good dwells. Any Christians understand that so far? If you've been a Christian five minutes, I think you got that part figured out, right? For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. In other words, I, have, I, I want to do the right thing, but I can't find the strength in this flesh to do it because it fights me on it. It doesn't just naturally want to do that right thing. Next, verse uh, 19, for the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. When I read that for the first time, I thought, Golly, thank God I'm not the only one. It's just me and Paul. None of the rest of y'all, I know you all live perfect lives, but for the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I don't want to do, that I practice. Wow. Verse 20. Now, if I do what I will not to do, or if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Does that sound a little bit like a cop-out to you? It's not me, it's the sin in me. Really, really, Paul? Uh, No, Paul's helping us understand who we are, who we are. And he's saying, that's not me. I'm the spirit man. All right, now watch. Here's going to tell us the sin that dwells in me. Verse 21, I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. So I'm here wanting to do good, but there's this presence of evil that's with me. Look, verse 22, for I delight in the law of God according to the, uh, the inward man is what's right. 
My heart is whole in Him. Hey, Christian, can I just say something to you? Stop asking the Lord to, to make your heart right. He already did in Jesus. You need to get your mind right. Your heart's already whole. Amen. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, verse 23, but I see another law in my members, talking about the flesh, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity, into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. So he's saying that in the flesh, that's where sin is. And that's all where all of its appetites and all the evil deeds are found in the flesh. But so there's this law that's happening. There's a law warring in my members. There's a law in my mind. And so what's in the flesh these appetites are starting to pull on my choices. I can either choose to give in to those fleshly appetites and to those lusts, or I can give in to the spirit man who wants to do the right thing, and that's going to happen by choosing one or the other. So that's why we have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, or to repent, change our mind from listening to the flesh to listening to the spirit, from being governed by the flesh to being governed by the spirit. And then later on, he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? So that's what he's talking about. I, the, the, the wretched man is this body of death. So right now, there's this struggle. Now, Christian, it's hard. It's, well, okay, then go on to heaven then. I don't know what to tell you. The only way out is to die. Or you can just suck it up and grow up and overcome. Stop being a wimp. Amen. Live in victory. So how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? Let me just give you one practical thing and we'll stop today. A practical way to enforce and continue to live in the reality of that victory. You can control, you can have total self-control if you'll get this one thing down today. Anybody want to hear what it is? I'm telling you, you can have complete self-control if you'll get this one thing. The book of James chapter 3, verse 1. Santiago chapter 3. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. You know, you come across those verses that you kind of wish you had never read. <laughs> that one right there. Verse 2. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Your words control your life. What's coming out of your mouth is going to determine whether you're going to live by self-control or be controlled by self. Mm. Not that hard. Everybody has a mouth in here, which means everybody can control themselves. I just couldn't, we couldn't help it, we fell in love. Yep, that's adultery. So, <laughs> she was married and I was married, but we fell in love somewhat. No, 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 it didn't happen like that. No, you could help it. You chose that. You started talking it, and then you started practicing it. Amen. Come on. So, you control it by your tongue. So, if you can watch what's coming out of your mouth, then you can start to change even the way you think and the way you act. All right? That can start today. Well, what do you say? 
You need to say what God has said. He's given you the words to say to empower you to live this Christian life, to live this Christian life, to live as He is in the world. Jesus said, you can do anything I did. The same Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives in you. Amen. So you and I have this responsibility to guard our mouths. What can you say? Well, let me just say this. If you'll start saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, I have a feeling you'll start living in that reality. I delight in the things of God. I love what's good. I love what's right. And see, this will also help you in how you pray, too. You won't pray little bitty prayers, scared prayers. Hmm? I, man, I'm, I'm so tired. I'm just tired of my brothers and sisters being bound up and being afraid to pray. Well, I, don't, I just want to pray the right thing. I, I'm, I'm, I'm scared to know. I, I just don't ever want to say the wrong thing to God. And, and they, they, they're just so meek and afraid and, and timid to pray big, bold prayers because they've been duped to not do it wrong and, and, and you don't want to upset God and you don't want to ask for too much and you don't, I mean, it's just like backpedaling, backpedaling all the time, reasoning and doubting and all this stuff that stops you from believing God and then therefore receiving from God. Jesus said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Well, obviously he doesn't mean whatever. That's what he said, bonehead. I mean, you can just fight and argue that all you want. But that's what Jesus said. What if we just took him at face value? What if we just took him at face value and just believed him? It's like he says these things and then just dares us to actually believe it. Because Jesus didn't go, now obviously I don't mean. He never did that. We do that. We start start trying to figure out reasons why that's not true. Why that can't apply. And when it can't apply. And when it can't. Instead of just simply believing it. Amen. So when you know who you are, you'll know how to pray. You'll know what to say. You'll know how to think and you'll know how to act. This is who we are. We are the circumcision. We worship God in spirit. We rejoice in Christ Jesus and we put no confidence in the flesh. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful day that you've made. Bless all of these who have heard the word. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. Be upon every one of them, upon all of us. Lord, we thank you for your grace. Help us, Lord, to truly see this and be aware of what you have done for us. It is an extraordinary salvation. It is a marvelous thing that you have done. And, Lord, we are glad for it and we rejoice in it. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for calling us, delivering us out of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of your dear Son, the kingdom of light. Help us to walk as children of light. To to see who we really are. To say who we really are and to live who we really are. To live by the Spirit. We understand that's a daily thing. It's a walk. We walk. That is one foot in front of the other. We walk by faith. Thank you for your help to do that. Thank you that you've given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've given us everything we need. Your word says it simply like this. We are complete in him. 
We have everything we need in Jesus. And the more we understand who He is, then we really understand who we are. Thank you, Lord. Bless all these here today. Lord, there's, there, there are those that are here who have needs, and I know, God, you are a very present help in time of need. And you supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. There are relationships that need healing. Lord, there are, there are financial situations that need your supply. They need help. There are bodies that need to be healed. And Lord, you've given us every answer. You've given us every way to victory. Because God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Today, if you're here and you need healing in your body or you want to stand in for someone, just you want to pray for someone right where you're sitting, would you just raise your hand? I'm just going to agree with you right now for prayer. Lord, I thank you right now. Right now, these who have their hands raised. Lord, you sent your word and you healed them and you delivered them from their destruction. Thank you, Father God, right now that, that not only did Jesus, in the very same afternoon that his blood was shed for our sins, stripes were laid on his back for our healing. It's all part of that redemptive work. And I thank you now. I just declare healing in these bodies in Jesus' name from every form of sickness, disease, and pain in the name of Jesus because you carried it all for us. We receive it now. Thank you right now for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for that glorious gospel that came to us also. And I want to encourage you today, if today you have not received Christ as your Savior, it's as simple as saying, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe He was buried and I believe God raised Him from the dead. And Jesus is Lord of my life. It is that simple. It's a free gift for you. Receive Him today. Believe on Him today. And receive all the goodness that comes from being in the family of Almighty God. Not only a good life here, but life everlasting. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.